many of you guys are fasting with us in this period of 40 days of fasting. Um, this, you know, we started Ash Wednesday last Wednesday, and then this is Resurrection Day. So if you've been following along, this is where we, we pause that and we don't fast on Resurrection Day, the Lord's Day, uh, because we're living in the time zone that is to come. We're living on this side of the cross as well. So it's the now and the not yet. And so we live in the resurrection time during this day, each day throughout the fast. And so because of that, uh, I had some food this morning, man. I'm just like, my body was like celebrating that Jesus is risen and all this stuff. It was wonderful. And so uh, I know many of you guys are participating in that as well. But then we'll we'll start back into the next leg of the amazing race, I'm calling it. And as we go through this next leg that starts tomorrow, and many of you guys, if you haven't participated yet in the fast, you can jump in at any time and do whatever the Lord leads you to do. Some people are doing full food fast. Some people are... Or, you know, fasting a meal or fasting till sundown or fasting um, different things, you know, input, you know, I'm calling, I'll do an input fast later on, which is like all the stuff, the noise we have coming in all the time to shut that off for a season, a Daniel fast, all sorts of options that you can jump in and participate. And I encourage you to do that. Why? Because when people move together, God tends to move, right? And so we're doing this together and God is doing some amazing things. Well, today we're going to be talking about Mission. We're going to be highlighting that. And, uh, you know, we talked about life, life mission and Pastor Clint. Well, I brought in the Global Missions Pastor from Life Mission Church. Uh, many of you guys know Jacob Lears, and I could say so many things about Jacob and Teresa, but uh, part of YWAM for many years. He's, he was one of our missionaries that we supported for many years as well. Many of you guys are familiar with him from that. Um, he's the Global Missions Pastor at Life Missions Church. He's on involved in all sorts of missions, uh, connecting things. I'm not going to tell all the stuff that he's doing, but uh, just really has, I appreciate his heart and his love for the nations and what he brings to that and the, the perspective that he brings to that. But he's also a dear friend of this church and he's he's been able to to input into our church in so many ways behind the scenes that you're maybe not aware of yet. And we believe in the future going to have so many more connecting points in that as well. But he's also, uh, they're also good friends of ours, of Becca and, and me as well. And so would you welcome Jacob Lears as he comes and brings the word? Yeah, good job. Ooh, man, that worship got me messed up. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep it together. But that was good. We appreciate that worship team. So anointed. That cross-section of anointing and skill is just an amazing thing. So I'm still teary-eyed. Um, I'm not sad. I really, I'm just recovering. So um, thank you so much for having me. We do. We love this church. I think it was up to my wife. This would be our home church. Uh, we live in Gardner, Kansas. We're a little far away for the commute, and um, it would affect my uh, paycheck since uh, they pay me to go to Life Mission Church. But we we love it down there, of course, too. But I just want to mention the conference again really quickly. And if you have a heart for missions, come. It's amazing. You're going to love every bit of it. Um, if you don't, you should come. <laughs> and uh, Maybe by the time you leave. And it's just we have, we have a really strong focus on prayer and worship. So you're going to get a lot. Uh, very similar worship style. Uh, maybe even Kelsey will be leading a little bit this year. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so it's an amazing time. I just, the one picture that always comes to mind, last year was our first conference, the first time we did this. Uh, literally, Pastor Clint had a dream and like, 
November, December, really late in the year in 2022. And he had a dream about us doing a missions conference and then came to me as the global missions pastor and said, make my dream come true kind of a thing. So uh, him and my his daughter, um, Nicole, is my uh, director for missions. We, in six months, put this thing together. Um, and it was amazing. But the, the one big, uh, we had one speaker come and I've been to a lot of conferences and a lot of events and I've never seen something quite like this, but the anointing that he carried and just broke people's hearts for the nations, um, whatever that looked like for them. And as I walked around the room praying for people, as there was young people and old people alike all across the front and down the aisles, laying on their faces, weeping. And I've, I've honestly, I've seen things like that before. But as I walked, I realized that I had to be very careful with my step because there was just pools of tears on the floor. And it was saturated with that, that morning for the nations that just struck people. And um, it was just that one moment was worth it, like all that cramming, all the planning and preparation into six months. Um, and we've seen so much fruit from that. We have probably about three dozen of our, our young people in some kind of YOM DTS or training school are on their way to the nations in preparation for that. And we're going to do it again this year. And we're just seeing the Lord doing a new thing in this generation. And we think this is the generation where we reach the nations. And there's lots of signs that will point to that as long as we continue to be faithful, continue to do the things we're doing, that we're going to see that. Jesus proclaimed in every tongue, tribe, and nation. Um, so that's what the conference is about in a nutshell. And it's not that far of a drive. Uh, 45 minutes, you can make it down there. I know he talked about um, barbecue. You guys, you know, one of my favorite places until closed down was jousting pigs. Do you guys, like, that's a liberty thing, right? Man, I was so sad. I just had discovered it. And then they went belly up, right? Jousting pigs. All right. I'm going to pray, um, and then we'll get at it. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this word. We thank you for your mission. And we pray, Lord, that our heart would be as Jesus' heart was, that he will only do what he sees the Father doing, that we would recognize that obedience is better than sacrifice. And just as the word we heard this morning proclaimed, it's listening to your voice. And it's not always the big thing, but as we hear and obey the little things, as we're faithful and little, you give us more and more to be faithful to, Lord. And we just pray that that would be our heart stance as we leave this place even, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, and that you would have something for every person in this room to take with them, to seal in their hearts, and to act upon. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So I um, was super excited. This is, I, I guess it's more than a series, really. It's a theme for the year, right? This encounter, formation, and mission. So it's probably going to come back around. I know last week was a little bit of a break, but I, I was listening to um, what Pastor Sean shared on mission. It was really fired up. And even when he told me beforehand that this was happening, I was like, oh, I want to be a part of that. Like, I would love to come and share. Uh, mission is my heart. Uh, it's the one that's on my business card. It's my title. It's what I'm excited about. But you can't be excited about that without being excited about encounter and formation. Like they all go hand in hand. And so just real quickly, I want to zoom out, do the big picture before I really zero in on the mission part, because they are so important and they're all so dependent upon each other. And so what we see sometimes, especially in the West, especially in America, there's this tendency to want to really simplify things as easy as ABC, one, two, three, baby. You know, we want to keep it simple and have our little check boxes and say, this is the way we're going to do it. I'm going to encounter the Lord. He's going to form me. That should take about six months. 
All of us more seasoned saints are laughing at that one. And then I'm going to go on mission and it's going to be this process. And then, you know, I'll do my mission trip. I'll go help at the homeless shelter. And then I have arrived and I'm done with the process. But that is a lie. (laughs) So these things, they tend to fold in on each other. And of course, it all starts with the encounter, that initial encounter with the Lord. And hopefully we all in this room have that, that memory, that moment, that time we can go back and say, that's um, when I encountered the Lord. So for me, it was a rededication. My wife and I um, on our knees in the living room, rededicating our lives to the Lord, saying that we are going to follow him. We are going to commit as a, a family to follow him, even though we hadn't been for for several years. And I can remember that moment. Hopefully all of us can. But since that time, the Lord has done formation to me. I'm not the same man I was when I knelt down in that living room. My wife is not the same woman she was when we knelt down in that living room. And we've gone on mission. And so you could like summarize it quickly that way. But we've also continued to encounter the Lord and continue to have formation and found new mission and new encounter and new mission. And every one of these things leads to the other two. So I just want to give examples. So we'll start with encounter and we're going to use the Bible. Is that all right? All right, good. Second uh, Corinthians 3.18 Uh, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord, the spirit. So what this verse is telling us, and it's actually our Life Mission Church, our, our vision statement is to see lives and communities transformed by revealing God's presence and purpose. And that's what this verse is saying is when you encounter the Lord, it changes you. That's the transformation. Formation or transformation comes from encounter. Like just like when you're hanging out with your friends or your wife and you start to behave like them, you pick up their idiosyncrasies, you become like the people you spend time with. And the more you encounter the Lord, the more you become like him. Scripture says we want to be holy because he is holy. And the best way to do that is just to spend time with him. It's to not not strive, not to do behavior modification, but just spend as much time with him as you can. And as he reveals himself to you, you will be transformed. It's just what happens naturally. When we encounter the Lord, we are compelled to go on mission. One of my favorite passages, Isaiah 6, 8. This is Isaiah's commission. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. And this passage. I really wish I could read the whole thing. You'd get to see me cry again. Um, But it's Isaiah encountering the presence of the Lord, and there's angels flying around, and he's just in this place where he's encountered the Lord like never before, and he breaks down, and he says, woe is me as part of that. And it's just this, oh, what I'm undone. Like he just couldn't even handle the, the encounter that he had with the Lord, and it immediately propelled him into yes mode. And this is where we need to be, where we have these encounters with the Lord, and all we want to do is say yes to the Lord. So you'll notice he says, um, who shall we send? Who will go for us? But he doesn't say where or when or how, but Isaiah says yes anyways. Like it could have been like, you're going to Saudi Arabia on Wednesday, uh, Luke 10 model with nothing in your pocket, and you're going to make it work. But Isaiah did not care because he was in the presence of the Lord and it propelled him into mission. And so we can see, again, these are this kind of the easy one, how encounter will lead to formation and how encounter will lead into mission. 
But if we start with formation, again, the initial one is going to be encounter. We need to have the Lord in our lives. We need to be surrendered to him. But once we're in this formation process, it allows us to have more of his presence. In your formation processes, you're doing things to encounter him, to have that. Matthew 8, 6 said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. As you seek the Lord, as you become more disciplined, as you fast, as you pray, as you get into his scripture, if you are not encountering the Lord in that, you're not doing it right. You're doing it the way someone else is called to do it. You're doing it the way you think you should do it. But we're all different. Some of us are going to have much more powerful encounter times with the Lord in the evening than the morning. And we don't have to be, you know, like Mark Wahlberg and wake up at 4 a.m. to do our devotionals. We can do it at night if that's where we encounter the Lord. I had a friend, he actually, he hated it when people called it quiet time. And he said, I call it loud time uh, because I hear from the Lord and I get loud and it's loud time. So even that, like little things like that, just knowing how you encounter him, what can you do with the Lord where you feel his presence? And it's not something dry, dead religion, something that you do because you feel like you have to out of legalism, but like find the places where you encounter him and do that, whether it involves worship music, soaking in the word, listening to the word. Some people are more auditory. You need to flip on that Bible app and let someone read the Bible to you, but still soak in it and study it. Pray for the things, um, not just for yourself, but the pray for the things, intercede for others, other things you're excited about. We'll get into that a little bit later. And then um, formation um, leads to mission. Again, as we grow in the Lord, as we become um, better equipped and become more like him, we start to feel the things that he feels. We start to see things the way he sees them. We get to have his heart for the things that he has a heart for. I just remember the first time the Lord broke my heart for a people group, and it was the, the child soldiers of Uganda and just crying for a full day, just feeling like the Lord had given me his sorrow and his remorse for that situation, and, and it breaking me down, and it propelled me in mission just from that time of prayer and study and growing closer to him. Also, if we can start at the end, like again, I just want to say encounter first, but in this process, if we're in mission, mission can drive us into formation. As we go out and do the things, it is that, that being a good steward, when he gives us a little, when he gives us a small task, when he says, you know, it could be, you know, say this small prayer. Um, say Jesus loves you to a stranger in the supermarket. These tiny little things as he gives us this, as we're faithful and little, he'll give us more and more and more and more. And so we get um, from mission, we can get some formation. From mission, we can have encounter. Some of my strongest times of encountering the Lord is when I'm serving is when I'm out, not even in Africa in the mission field, but um, when I'm on the streets ministering to homeless people, when I'm, I'm speaking to people that are in a, a broken marriage and have come to me for counseling. But as I'm on mission, it, it requires me to lean on the Lord. When I'm put in situations that I can't do it in my own power, even if I wanted to, even if I wanted to try to, I lean on the Lord. Like sitting across from a Muslim man has been some of the most communion I've ever had with the Lord. When I said, what do I say next? Okay, now what? Now what? Holy Spirit, tell me what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't want to get killed. You know, like these things. And you just lean on him and you find that. And again, it's it's formative. We grow in that and we encounter in that. And again, if we're not having those things, if you're not encountering the Lord when you're on mission, again, you're probably not doing it right because Jesus said he only does what he sees the Father doing. 
So when we're on mission, we're not doing what is right in our own eyes, but we're asking the Lord, where are you at work? Where is there a fruitful harvest? Where can I go? Where are you calling to me, me to? And you're not bringing the Lord there because he's already there. You're not taking him anywhere that he hasn't already been, but you're going to meet him there. And he's asking you to come alongside and learn from him and work with him and encounter him through mission. Amen. All right. You guys ate today, so I'm expecting a little more lively than the, the starving Saturday night crowd. <clears throat> so these are all um, like a theme through scripture, especially in missions. We talk about this a lot. We're blessed to be a blessing. So we see this from the beginning um, to the end. Abraham's uh, promise was that the Lord was going to bless him so that he would be a blessing to all nations. We saw that even the first command to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply. In Psalms, it, it beefs it up and says, be fruitful, and multiply so that his glory would fill the earth. And this is the Lord's vision of what he sees. So whenever we participate in these things, we're participating uh, with him and what his vision is. When we have formation, um, we walk along with others. Again, that's that blessed to be a blessing. Like the things that I've walked through, now I'm extra qualified to walk someone else through. Like I have the same story. You can hear what I've gone through and see what I did and how the Lord transformed me. And I'm going to walk you through this formation. And it's not anytime we have a testimony, anytime we've lived through something, the Lord's rescued us from it or healed us from it. Like we need to use that. Otherwise we walk through it for no reason. Like, but if we can use it to extend the kingdom, to bless others, then there's a big reason behind that. And it's, it's still going to hurt. There's still going to be some wounds that need healed. And, and it's not that that was a good thing that happened to you, but I'm going to make the best of it. And the best of it is to bless as many other people as I can through my story. When we have mission, we're not just sharing the first two, but saying, come with me, just like our heavenly father invited us to come with him. So again, it's not just about us. Anything that the Lord does for us, any blessing we receive, and the mission is a blessing, we want to invite people to come along with us. So even when we were in Northeast Africa, uh, in Djibouti, um, you can laugh at Djibouti, it's fine. I'll, I'll tell some Djibouti jokes next service, but... Um, uh, we would tell them that, that this is, you're on mission now. It was never our, our, our goal for them to always be a mission field, but we want every mission field to turn into a mission force. And that's true of everyone around us too. We don't want to just disciple people and get them in the doors, but we want to disciple people, get them in the doors and send them out and make them co-laborers mission, on mission with us. So we're going to really dig into mission now, but I hope that you hear that, that there are not just a straight line, but they fold back in on each other. And every one leads to every other one. So uh, encounter leads to formation and mission and formation leads to encounter and mission and mission leads to encounter and formation. Um, but well, let's hit the Great Commission now. So I spoiled it, but we're going to pop that up on the screen. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. 51% of church attenders say they are not familiar with the term the Great Commission. Another 25% say they have heard the term but don't know what it means. 17 knew what it was, and six were not sure. So 17% of church attenders, this was not a mass poll, this was people that attend church, only 17% knew what the Great Commission was and not memorized it, not knew it word for word, 
But when someone said, what's the Great Commission, they could say something like, oh, that's our, our commission to go to all the nations. That's, that's our calling for global missions. Only 17% of regular church attenders knew what it was. And the rest said something along the lines of, uh, that sounds kind of familiar, but I don't know what it means. Uh, I've definitely heard that term. And then 25, um, 17%, uh, 51% had never even heard the term they said. They're like, what is that? I've never heard that. That's a strange and unfamiliar concept to me. So I'm going to read this so we know. And when we leave, 100% of these church attenders will be familiar with the Great Commission. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Uh, so this is Jesus' great commission to his whole church, his final words to go into all the nations and bring the gospel, that we're not to hoard our blessings as individuals or as churches or as nations, but when we're blessed with this good news gospel, there is a commission and a command to share it with others and that we want to see the whole earth filled with his glory. And again, that's the picture we have even in Revelation of every tongue and tribe and nation worshiping the Lord. So uh, another um, form of this is in Acts 1.8. And so we see, um, you know, Acts is kind of a, uh, it's actually one book with Luke. It's a continuation. Uh, and when we canonize, we kind of separated them a bit. Um, uh, I don't know why, uh, but it's, this is Jesus' final words. And this is kind of um, still a part of the gospel in a way that Jesus is still with them. And this is his, his famous last word, Jesus' famous last words. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So again, God's vision to be fruitful and multiply the promise given to Abraham. Jesus talked about the kingdom. He said, when he told us to pray, he said, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Like there is a command for us to not just pray, but work towards making this place look a little bit more like heaven, not just holding on by our fingernails and waiting for his return and hoping things work out. But we are to work, we are to do, we are to go. It is more than that. We don't just have, um, we're not just created for that, for the afterlife. We were created here for a reason and we have a purpose and God wants us to walk in that as individuals and as a church. So the body of Christ. So again, we're going to look big. We're going to look small. One of the big important factors of this encounter thing, of this formation thing, is identity. Um, so in, in YWAM, our, our motto is know God and make him known. I think in the middle there, you need to have a little bit of know thyself, which is a different, different guy said that. But the way to do that is to lean into the Lord. Like the way to know how you're created is by talking to the creator. And so identity has been a huge thing um, in this generation. And we're seeing it. And the numbers are, are kind of scary. Um, and, and they look, it looks devastating to us and hopeless to us in a lot of ways. But this is not a new tactic of the enemy. 
And I would venture that every single generation has had identity issues in some way or some form. And every individual, it's part of the natural process um, in those teen years. We have a bunch of teenagers in my house right now where they're, they're trying to find their identity. Like, what are they created for, even outside the bounds of our family? And there's some, like, um, pushing for independence and figuring out things in their own way. It just, in our day, it seemed more innocent, at least to us, where, um, you know, we had the old school, like, preppies versus greasers kind of a thing. That's a couple generations before me. Um, in mine, I remember we had jocks and skaters, um, and people would try different things. Like one year, this person would be a goth, and the next year, they'd be kind of preppy. And you'd be like, you could see people like figuring out who am I. And instead of like going to the Lord, they go to the world. And where am I accepted? What feels comfortable? Where do people like give me affirmation in these things? I remember even for myself, I like my wife will think this is hilarious, but um, I thought I was going to be like a motorhead guy, like get into cars. And uh, I hate cars. I wish they were never invented. Like if I, if we could just jump to jet packs right now, I'd be so excited. Um, but I tried that for like a year and I was like, Oh, engine five Oh, I didn't know anything, but I kind of tried to like get in with that crowd. Um, and now the, the enemy has twisted that and used something that he so often does. And now it's, it's about sexuality and gender identity. And, and the thing that he wants to do is take this season. And honestly, it is natural to figure out your identity and to struggle and to, to try new things and to break away from your parents and have some independence. Like we see that in scripture. But just keep in mind, the, the enemy is not a creator. The devil's never created anything. He's a perverter. So he takes what the Lord has created and he perverts it. And he's taken this process and he's tried to make it permanent. Um, when, when, you're, when you're trying to figure these things out, he wants you to, you know, get a face tattoo or, or have some gender reassignment surgery, things that you can't undo as you're going through this process of figuring out who you are and how the Lord wants you to behave. And so as he often does, he uses sexuality. It's like such a, it can be a weakness of us again, because God created us to be sexual for the right reasons and he uses it for the wrong reasons. And so just to keep that in mind, that the, the way to find your identity, to find what you're created for, is to go to the Creator. Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. He created us. You are His workmanship. He has a plan for you. Even before you were born, He knew what you would be like, what you would be good at, what your giftings would be, what your passions would be. He had a plan for you. And the only way to know that plan is to lean into him. You are an essential part of the body of Christ. So you're this individual part created to do special things in a special way, but you're part of one body of Christ. And as we know, we need those body parts to work together. So let's skip a rock across 1 Corinthians 12. Now, there are various uh, varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. So we're under the same Lord, one baptism, one salvation, one body. We have one goal, one purpose. We're all working towards one vision, but we have a variety of gifts, but under the same Spirit. Uh, verse 12, for even as the body is one and yet has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are, not, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 27, now you're Christ's body and individually members of it. 
And so this passage talks a lot about um, comparison, uh, which again is a trap that we can get into. And it talks about how one part of the body may look at another part and say, oh, like the toe might be like, I wish I was an ear. Uh, but we want to recognize that comparison always leads to something bad. The only two outcomes for comparison is pride and shame. When you look at someone else and what they're doing and what they're called to do and how they're doing it and comparing it to what you are made to do, you're either going to come out and say, oh, wow, that guy's pretty amazing. Um, I wish I could lead worship like that. That anointing was just like nothing else made people cry in the audience and I just don't have that. And I'm going to come away with shame. And that is not what the Lord wants for me because he doesn't need another Aaron. He needs a Jacob to do the things he called Jacob for. Or you're going to look at someone and be like, wow, that guy's a mess. <laughs> well, thank God I'm not that guy, which is pride. And the Lord doesn't want that for us at all. Never have I ever compared myself to someone and said, we are exactly the same. We're just as good as each other, right? That just is statistically uh, probably not going to happen. Um, if it's happened to you, let me know after service and I'll change my notes. But um, it doesn't. It doesn't happen. It's going to be pride or shame. Um, but, but that passage tells us not to do that. But to only look at yourself and look to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you have me? What am I created to do? What's my part in this body? And how do I be on your mission? I, I even in making sure we're all going in the same direction as a body of Christ. We have parts of the body of Christ now saying that we don't need to do mission. That we should just come in on Sunday, sit down and shut up and then go do our jobs. And that we need to keep our religion to ourselves, keep our Jesus to ourselves, and put it in a box. They're not on the same mission. If that's your mission, you're not on the same mission. You're working against us. And it takes every part of the body, no matter how small, to jump in and say, I'm going to do my part to, to make this mission happen. I um, Last month, I did not, I honestly did not know what an SI joint was. Um, going back to my motorhead days, I probably would have said it had something to do with the axle of your car. It doesn't. It's a joint in your hip. Um, I was doing some squats, nothing heavy. It was a warm-up set, and I blew out my SI joint, and it was incredibly painful, and I couldn't move. This part of my body I didn't even know I had crippled me for like two days. Like I literally, one day was was out, and the next day I was like, oh, babe, I feel great. Like, Lord healed me. And, and I went to put my pants on and it, <laughs> like had to stumble to my bed and lay there for a few hours. An SI joint. Did anyone know what an SI joint? I know there's doctors in the room, but it, it's painful and it, you can't do anything. I couldn't roll over in bed. It was, it was excruciating, but we need all the parts aligned, all the parts healthy, all the parts encountering and information and on mission. It's like an orchestra. You know, we have violins and, and uh, pianos, those parts that everyone sees. But then we also have like the smaller pieces, like the triangle. Uh, but the orchestra leader, the conductor needs everyone doing their part the exact right way. I, I sit in on our debriefs from worship sometimes. And it's funny, like the things that the worship team notices and the worship leader notices, and I like hear them kind of not picking it apart because they're doing a lot of affirmation, but then also like, oh, guys, I'm sorry I messed up on this. And I just, I'll laugh at them sometimes like no one noticed that. No one knew that happened except for the people on the worship team. But they want this level of excellence like as the worship leader and as the worship team. Uh, and it's so funny 
Um, but I'm like, yeah, you guys are picking at that, but no one else is. But it's important to them that everything is perfect. Um, you might be something weird. Like, I don't even know how I fit into this body of Christ. I don't look like an instrument at all. I'm a cannon. Like, um, someone just prophesied over me a few weeks ago that I'm a plow. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, don't take offense, but you're a plow. And I was like, okay, actually, that lines up with some other things. Um, but there's a one of my favorite orchestra pieces is the 1812 Overture. Someone told me that last night because um, I didn't know the name of it. And there's cannons in it, right? And it's a pivotal part of that piece of music is cannons blasting off. So you might be that violin, that piano, the person that, that gets up and actually plays the piano or gets to preach the word. You might be that, that triangle or you might be a cannon, but the Lord has a part for you in his orchestra. Um, we've seen it. Like we just saw how every piece, everything had to go right for the chiefs last week. Everyone had to do their job. From the guys blocking, not just Patrick Mahomes, like we tried it, we saw against the Buccaneers what happens when he tries to do it all on his own. But we need guys blocking. We need we need like the turf guys to make it too soft for the Eagles the year before. Like those paychecks I've been sending the refs have been working really well. But like everything just has to go perfectly right for that to happen. And if one guy just decides, I'm not going to block, I don't feel like catching that ball. Um, the, the water guy keeping people hydrated. There's mathematicians now up in the booth crunching numbers and are the ones that told us that, um, I mean, the 49ers didn't have this, that they should take the ball second, not first. Like the, the every little thing, the things you don't even think about, e economists, if you've ever seen Moneyball, can change the course of how a game is played and can lead to winning games um, in ways that you would never imagine. We all have a part to play. I promise you. It's a universal calling, the Great Commission. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints of the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. This verse is where we get the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Again, it's one of my favorite things to study and to look at. And there's um, some really good teachings on this right now. It's really coming um, big in the church to make sure that we're fulfilling all of these parts because it's important that we be holistic and have the apostolic and the prophetic and the evangelist and the shepherd and the teacher all represented in the body of Christ. Um, but you will notice as it lists these things, as it lists these offices, it doesn't say that they are called to do all the ministry of the church. It says they are called that these five-fold ministries are called for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, for the, the gospel of reconciliation, that it is not uh, Pastor Sean's job to reach Liberty, Missouri. It's his job to equip you, 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 to reach Liberty, Missouri that it is all of our jobs and he's going to stand shoulder to shoulder with you. And, and so am I. And, and so is your brothers and sisters next to you. But as a group, they're going to go and pastor Sean's going to lead from the front and we're all going to share and we're all going to uh, act in our apostolic giftings or our shepherding giftings or our teaching giftings. And we're going to reach this city. And it doesn't stop there because his arm's not too short. And his blood is worth more than Liberty, Missouri. He paid the price and you're worth it. Every soul in here is worth it. This city is worth it, but it, so is every other nation on earth. His blood covers all, and that's what we're working towards. First Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellence of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You are the saints. You are the priests. We don't get to just have people that are dedicated to ministry and the rest of us live our lives. We are all full-time ministers that happen to have different jobs, bivocational in some way or another. We are uniquely created. Lean into them to see how. See how. Some of us have found that. Some of us are still looking. Um, and that's part of your encounter and formation process. Like some of us know what we're passionate about. Some of us know the things we're good about. Some of us are still seeking that out. We're going to keep trying new things. And we're going to try to find ways. I have just um, some examples. So we'll pull up that first slide of the ministry wedges. So this is not comprehensive. I'll get out of the way a little bit here. Um, and I don't have time to read the verses, but if one of these pops to you and is like, oh, that's the one I'm excited about, you can write that verse down and go look at it. It'll probably pump you up a little bit. Um, so this is just a little bit of a cross section about the things that maybe you're excited about, the things that you're called to, the things that make you passionate. And you're like, yes, I love men's ministry. I love going out into the woods and killing things and discipling young men on how to kill things. And we'll eat really well. And we're going to study the word together and we're going to disciple them up. And, you know, men change the nations. And that's true. And that's a, a high calling. And Maybe you're passionate for women's ministry and you're like, I just love getting together with women and fellowshipping and praying and being warriors for Jesus in our own way, a lot less killing usually. And we're going to like just build each other up and study the word and empower each other to be what the Lord has called us to be. Maybe you're passionate about youth ministry or kids ministry and God bless you. You're so needed. Right, I hope you've been told how thankful and grateful this church is for you to, to serve in the kids' room, and it's always a need. Um, I know it is for us, and it probably is here too, but that's, that's pivotal. And if we're not focused on the next generation, we're just saying, okay, we're okay with just dying out as a movement, right? Because we are all slowly getting older, believe it or not, and you know, messing up our SI joints and things like that. Um, but if we're not trying to bless the next generation and build them up, we're just saying that this church is going to die out with me, right? This movement is going to stop with me. And so if we're not focused on that new wine and creating new wineskins and building up that next generation, then we have no fidelity in what we're doing. Um, scripture, maybe you're passionate about the word. Just studying it. That's what you want to do. Not because you have to, not out of legalism, but it just, just lights your heart on fire and you love to study with other people and you're leading a life group and you're the life group that's getting out the Strong's diction, uh, Dictionary and you're referencing everything and finding the original language and that's what you love. Maybe it's the poor. Maybe the Lord's called you to just have mercy and kindness to those, whether they come on a Sunday and you're going to be the one that greets them at the door and loves on them, or you're going to participate in harvesters, or you're going to, you're going to go out and just minister to the, to the people that are in the homeless camps all around our city. And maybe that's your calling, the thing that you're fired up for. Um, you will notice I did not put a wedge for missions, which seems really weird because I'm the missions pastor, right? Like there should be a global missions wedge in this. Um, but kind of the point I want to get across, I've been trying to get across at our church and with our staff even, is that I don't think that the global missions piece is a specific wedge that specific people are called to and fired up about. And I really think the heart of the Father and the fact that this was Jesus' final words to everyone was that we all need to figure out how to work missions into 
our calling. And that is not trying to add another piece. I'm not trying to wedge missions in again and, and take away time or energy from the things that you're created for, the things that you're passionate about, the things that the Lord built you for. But what I want to do is just take, um, we'll go to the next slide. So this is based on that Acts 1.8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I contextualize it again. This circle moves with us. Um, Journey Church at the middle. You are needed here in Journey Church, helping to serve, helping to grow this body. Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. Right? I think that's what he meant. But we need to have that mentality and say, we're not just going to come and sit and receive, especially at a certain point. Like early on in your walk, maybe that's okay for a season. Um, But again, there's things you're not, there's formation that's not going to happen until you start serving. Like when you start to serve, you're going to grow and you don't, don't disqualify yourself. Um, God equips the, uh, qualifies the equip. No, what is it? God calls, help me, Teresa. God, God equips the called. He doesn't call the equipped, right? When you start walking in it, you're going to find those anointings, that grace, that thing that the Lord's going to build you up into. And I just experienced that for myself. Like I had just come back to the Lord and they had me start serving right away. And I eventually they actually said, hey, you're on six serve teams. Maybe you should like take a step back from one or two of them. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like that sounds nice. I have five kids, um, but um but we need to serve in our church and we need to serve in our city. Like God has called you here for a reason as an individual and as a church. There is a reason that you are here now and he has a mission for you. And it's not just a practical thing that, oh, I live here and I know the people and I know where the best restaurants are. And uh, I went to high school with a bunch of them, but there's literally a spiritual authority when the Lord calls you to a place that you have things that you can do here that outsiders can't come and do because this is your city and you can go to war. We don't wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. So those prayers are your prayers. Um, We had a situation in our DTS where um, we had some spiritual warfare going on in our room. So it's a big hotel and we are in a room and we had some spiritual warfare going on. And we uh, just by chance happened to have Dean Sherman, who's a spiritual warfare teacher, come in and we were like, yes, Dean Sherman's going to fix it for us. Like he's the spiritual warfare guy. He wrote a book on it. He travels all over the country doing this. And he was like, no, that's your room. You have the authority there. There's a spiritual authority for the place that you're called to, and you need to do the spiritual warfare. So he walked us through it, but that's the same for Journey Church. You have spiritual authority here. You can cast out demons. You can see miracles. You can see healings. You can do evangelism. You can minister to the poor and the men and the women and the children and the youth like no one else can. And that's for you. That's your mantle to carry. Amen. Ends of the earth. And again, his arm is not too short. But I don't want to stress you out and say, okay, now you have to be a missionary. Now I have to go into missions. So we're going to take those two slides. We're going to mash them together. See them slide in, see what we're doing here. Just so we have a picture and then go to the next one. And then we have this where these representations of kids ministry and men's women and women's ministry. What you need to do is take the things the Lord has wired you for, the things he's made you passionate about, gifted for, anointed for, and say, it is amazing that you come and you serve in the children's ministry every week. We thank you so much. But what are you doing for the children of this city? 
Because we can't just sit around and wait for them to come to us because we will miss more than we receive. There's so many ministry opportunities in the city to minister to children, to minister to youth, to minister to women, to minister to men. And you need to find your place, the same place you occupy here, the same passions, not asking you to add or to change, but just to add some depth to extend it and say, how can I do that in my city? How can I be engaged and involved in that same passion in my city? And then here's the big stretch. How do I do that globally? How do I stretch myself to the next level? And it's not going to look the same on every level. I'm not asking you to go run an orphanage in Mexico. We're actually trying to de-orphanage, de-institutionalize orphan care as a church. Um, but maybe you're going to sponsor a child. Maybe you're going to pray for a ministry that's coming out of this church um, in the city. Maybe, again, you don't have quite the same amount of time and you're really dedicated to the children that come here, but you're going to give to a ministry or once a month volunteer for a ministry that's ministering to children in our city. But just to take your passion and add that first and that second and that third dimension and say, I'm going to have depth to this, and I'm going to adopt uh, something in our city, and I'm going to adopt something in the nations. I'm going to pray for the children in Somalia. I'm going to pray for the women in Somalia who have the highest maternal mortality rate in the world. And that, that's going to be a passion of mine. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to learn about it. I'm going to study it, and I'm going to take it to the whole new level, to the ends of the earth. The whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. That's what it's going to take for us to fulfill the Great Commission and to see the Lord's return. In closing, I'll let J.D. Greer be the bad guy. Without the mission, the church is not a church. It's just a bunch of disobedient Christians hanging out. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that when you call us into your family, you call us into the family business. And your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And we don't want to walk away with heaviness or guilt or shame or any of those things, Lord. But with the joy that when we encounter you and we want to be with you, that you're doing things in our city. You're doing things in our church. You're doing things in the nations. And we want to be there with you doing those things. Just like a father and a child that, that's going to sit and watch the football game or go out to the garage and work on the car. But we just want to be with that faith, childlike faith to say, wherever you are, Lord, wherever you're calling us, we want to be there. And we want to do these things with you, Lord. And we pray that you would sow these things in our heart, that you would individually speak to every one of us. What is our part to play? What piece of the body are, what were we created for, Lord? Help pull us in closer to you. Help us to learn more about what you've created for, what you're doing in the world and how we can be a part. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, let's give him a big hand for sharing the word. Would you stand up with me? I, I don't know how you can hear that message and not be stretched. I can tell you, like personally, just like that, that I wouldn't even call it tension, but just that simultaneous excitement about realizing the authority that God's placed us with a geography. Like, I'm just like, I'm more fired up and more confident just after hearing that deposit that God has placed us here for a reason. There's a geography associated with it. But then also the stretching out 
like this ability to stretch beyond that God has also simultaneously called us from that place of influence and anchoring to be able to stretch out to the nations. And I don't know how you can hear a message like that and not be stretched and not have your vision expanded. And so let's take that to the Lord and let's respond. Lord, we just, we receive that word in our heart. May you open up our eyes so that we can see further and clearer. Open up our ears so that we, we don't shut out the things that you want us to hear, but we have listening ears. And Lord, I just declare that we are people who are not just hearers, but we're also doers of the word. And so that we would have practical ways to begin to walk this out. Lord, would you stir it up in us and do this, this seed that's been planted may be placed in good soil in us. And so right now we respond in worship to you because you are above it all. You are above, you're high and lifted up, which means that you are above everything in our life. You are the one who dictates where we go, what we say, what we do, and we surrender that to you. And we do that by worshiping you and saying that you are great and high and lifted up above all things in every area of our life. And we declare that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.